Good morning, everyone. My friends, last evening at the Mass, I told everyone, St. Paul sometimes is challenging for me um, because sometimes the, the way he puts things, um, it's difficult and filled with tension. However, today, um, I find uh, great humor in what he said um, because he said, you know, you need to get busy and stop being busybodies. And getting them in everybody else's business, attend to your own. And I know in this parish, we don't have busybodies. <laughs> we'll be working on that. My friends, um, our liturgical cycle is coming to an end. And as it does, the church puts forth uh, end time readings. And uh, this is what we're ending to. Next week, we will celebrate uh, Christ the King. And um, the following week will be Advent, and the new cycle begins. And uh, so the church puts forth all the scriptures that have this image of the day of the Lord. And uh, often that is, uh, in antiquity, uh, it's been a type of an unimaginable type of suffering throughout the world and widespread destruction and stuff like this. And this is the images in Old Testament of the day of the Lord. And um, as I said, we Catholic Christians meet this image every year uh, in Advent and at the start of the church's new liturgical cycle and at its end, which is um, coming up. My friends, the day of the Lord uh, was a central belief of the Jewish generations. And uh, different prophets put forth uh, their own particular spin, uh, if you will, on depending on uh, on what that meant, and it depends on the time that they lived in and the circumstances in which they lived. Uh, for instance, uh, we have the prophet Amos. Uh, he was a prophet that was greatly concerned with um, social justice, and he understandably believed that the day of the Lord would be a day of judgment, uh, judgment in the sense of justice for God's people and condemnation for all of their persecutors. The prophet Isaiah, who always spoke very lovingly, prophet Isaiah envisioned it as a day of terror for sinners, Isaiah 13, 9. The prophet Zephaniah saw it as a day of wrath uh, and ruin afflicting, uh, not only, afflicting not only the oppressors of Israel, but Israel itself, Zephaniah 1, uh, lines 14 through 18. My friends, having said all of this, and even uh, with Malachi uh, today, um, he puts forth in his time. Um, but notice what he said at the end. But for those who remain faithful to God, the sun of justice will rise for them. And for many Hebrews, um, I think they understood the day of the Lord with optimism then. Um, not, not disregarding what the prophets said uh, about that, but... Um, the Hebrews always looked to the future with hope. And um, they were always reading the future in terms of freedom and of justice and of peace because they were always under one form of slavery and bondage. Um, and they had longed for their liberation. Uh, their, that for them was salvation. Liberation for them is salvation. Salvation for us has a different meaning. Uh, and my friends, um, I believe even up into this day, uh, the Israelites are still under one form of oppression or another uh, in their region. And yet, uh, when you listen to the people, not so much the government, the people, they still have that image of hope 
that there will be peace. There will be justice. And uh, um, in the early Christian church, the day of the Lord has become to mean for us the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. And um, that is the day of his second coming. That is how we understand it as New Testament uh, people. In St. Paul's letter to the Romans, uh, it is a day of judgment, and I do not refute the saint, not at all. I'm in no place to do so. Uh, but I would say let us focus on the hopeful side of what St. Paul um, was saying about judgment, because he does not see judgment as something to be feared by true believers. To those who truly believe in Jesus Christ and live their lives accordingly, you have nothing to fear. St. Paul says that we are... Um, that. We who are saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ are already reconciled to God. And therefore, uh, we may look with confidence to the final judgment. That's Romans 5, 1 through 11. And we may look forward with confidence despite the fact that we are tested often, even in our own time. Uh, believers in each time have been tested. And uh, we are being tested also in this time before the second coming. And... Uh, in today's gospel, uh, Jesus is talking about this same time, uh, the time before his second coming. And uh, I think uh, we all realize that uh, we are in that time, but so has everyone who has followed since the ascension of Jesus Christ. That is an absolute truth. Just go and read the history books. All people since the ascension of Christ have felt this way, and rightly so. And we, too, feel the same way. We feel we are really being tested. And uh, my friends, I put forth um, some of our most important secular and religious institutions, um, these so-called institutions of governance. And I'm talking about all the governments of the world uh, and those places that are to be filled with grace. All the different churches uh, are themselves subject uh, to great persecution and uh, also audits of every kind and inquiries and court cases of every kind. And all these things challenge us, challenge our faith, and certainly test it. And, um, but I remember Christ's words, nothing will prevail against his church. He says, the gates of another world. And he meant that from within and from without. From forces within his church and from forces that are outside of it. And that keeps me hopeful. I'm not ignorant, and I, I don't just push anything aside, but I don't become, I don't get overcome by it. Because I trust Christ's words. He is always faithful in all things. Many of us watch family and friends perhaps drift away from the faith. And uh, uh, many believers no longer know with any clarity or even with conviction what the faith is. You can speak to Christians, and sometimes they can't formalize it for you. Uh, they're lost. And um, I'll go even further, and some folks don't even know anymore what is right and what is wrong. It is so blurred for them. We're in every age, and it gets really frustrating for me as a priest because uh, many believers, many Christians, uh, even within our own church, hang on the every word of these self-proclaimed prophets and these visionaries. And they will not even pick up the Bible and study it. That is the word of God. You want to know what God has to say? Look at the Bible. 
You want to know what he has to say about the future? It's in the Bible. You want to know what he has to say about the past? It's in the Bible. You want to know what he has to say about you? It's in the Bible. They will Google and be on a mission to find out what that visionary over there and over there and over there and over there says with such fervor and passion, but they won't do this with the Scripture. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, I need a cupcake. <laughs> you see what I'm getting at? The, I don't get it. I, I, I don't get this. Jesus says the time is going to come when they're going to come, and they're going to say, I am he. And what did he tell you? It's already there. Don't go after them. Don't go chasing after them. My friends, people trash the church and its leaders while others defend them. As if they were the priorities of the faith rather than faith's instruments. The deacon and myself, we are instruments of the Lord Jesus Christ. I serve the Lord Jesus Christ. I am his servant. I am not its leader. I am not the master. I am simply his servant. All the baptized in that matter are. You see what I'm getting at? Jesus and only Jesus is the priority of our faith. Only him. He is its head. He is its leader. He is its foundation. He is its past. He is its presence. He is its future. Jesus Christ and only him. That is why I'm not overcome by all the madness of governments and all the madness within the church. <laughs> the Lord is king. He is faithful. He will correct all things. I keep my eye on him. And as your pastor, I tell you, you keep your eye on him. Stay focused on him. Do not be overcome by all the busybodies. Within the church and without. And all the madness of the government right now, we pray for them. Go and read about Moses, what Moses did, <laughs> and how he handled the government of his time, the Pharaoh. <laughs> so I'm telling you, it's in the scriptures. It's in the scriptures. My friends, in all of this, Jesus said, all of this is so that you can give testimony to who? To him. You forgot that piece, didn't you? Because we get so nutty about everything else, we forget what he said. All of this is going to be so that you may give testimony to me. Not to Father Mark. Not to anybody else, but to him. Our faith in the Lord Jesus is tested every day. And every day then it becomes an opportunity to give testimony to our faith in him. He asks us to testify to his word. Not to the word of the latest seer and message giver, but to him. He asks us to give testimony to his life 
and to his ways by the likeness of our own living, meaning to example him, to be like him. Let people see in your life, oh my goodness, that's a follower of Jesus Christ. It has to be. That's what he's getting at. He asks us to give testimony to his cross and to not deny it when the cross comes for you. And it will. It's in the scriptures. <laughs> he asks you to give testimony to the vastness of his love and not to be Builders of barriers of exclusion against other people. That is in the scriptures. Everything I'm telling you is in the scriptures. He asks you to testify to his forgiveness of us by him, by your forgiveness of others. Guess where that's at? Getting the theme now? It's in the scriptures. In the gospel reading four Sundays ago, Jesus posed a question. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? And often, and I'm guilty of this also, often I think we tend to view this question pessimistically. As though he expects to find little faith or none at all. But we can also view it with great optimism and hope in our time. And that he will come and he will find us being busy, giving testimony to him. And doing what, in a very simple way, I looked for one of the simplest ways for you to understand this. And it comes from the prophet Micah. And my homily does not dishonor prophets. I'm just saying you need to be careful about the people who pop up today. It's like whack-a-mole. Well, there's one over there, and another one over there, and another one over there, and another one over there, and another, and another, and another. Prophet Micah, Micah 6, 8, you have been told what is good and what the Lord requires of you only to do justice and to love goodness and to walk humbly with God. I can't make it more simple than that for you. And that's in the scriptures, Micah 6.8. <laughs> in other words, in my words, we need to walk in holiness all the time. We do that by loving God with all our hearts, with all our soul, with all our minds, and by loving others as we love ourselves. Jesus was very clear. That's in the scriptures. <laughs> when it's the church, when she puts forth the end time readings to you, it is not because she believes the end time is uh, November 25th. It is because she wants to remind you in a motherly way of our own mortality. The whole month of November is remembering those who have passed. See, the second coming also means the time when he will come for you or for me and our human death. And Mother Church wants you to be ready so that you may greet him with joy and not be afraid. You don't need to be afraid when you do and live by his statutes. Do you agree? Do you agree? We don't have to be afraid. My friends, and you say, well, that's enough. Well, you know, I would say just take a 
just take a look at the past week throughout the United States and the world about those who died, about those whose lives were taken from them by another. They thought they had months and years and years, but they did not. So we pray that they were ready for Christ. And the other thing about the end time readings that we forget when Jesus says, and uh, the temple will be gone, and earthquakes and insurrections and wars, when he comes, that's going to be gone too. It'll all be gone. Thank God, it'll be gone. What will not be gone is God. What will not be gone is love, for it is eternal. And what else will not be gone? Those who love him. They will reign with him for all eternity. I say, come on, Jesus. Come on back. <laughs> you guys are getting ready. You guys have been working on it for a long time. You're ready. And if you're not, St. Paul told you what to do. Get busy and stay out of other people's business. <laughs> Amen? Mm -hmm. Amen.